Hello, world. Uh, this is Angular Air. My name is Kenzie Dodds. I am back. Um, thank you, Jeff, for uh, covering for me last week. It was a great episode last week, and so I recommend you go check it out. And Jeff did a stellar job. Um, so this week we are going to talk about Auth0, and we have some super awesome developers who are from Auth0 uh, to talk with us about security and some of the other cool products that they have. Um, for Angular developers specifically and JavaScript developers in general. Um, so let's, I'll just go ahead and introduce everybody. Feel free to say hi and wave so we know who is who. So um, we have Martin Ganto. Hey, how are you? Hi, everyone. <laughs> and we have Jeff Goodman. Hello. Not to be confused with Jeff Welpley. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and I don't know how we're going to manage that this episode, but um, yeah. And then we have uh, Matthias Wolowski. Hey, guys. Um, and uh, for our panelists today, we have Amy Knight. Hello. And Jeff Welpley. Hello. And Patrick J.S. Hey, guys. And uh, somebody's trolling me here in the notes. Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> So let's do uh, uh, some quick announcements. Next week's show is Reactive Programming with Matt um, Podolowski. Yeah, I don't know how to say his name. Um, <laughs> but you'll, he's, you'll have time to practice next time, probably, like you did today with Podolowski or something like that. Yeah, um, I don't think even a week's worth of practice will help me. Um, but <laughs> we have Matt. He's the creator of uh, RxJS, and so that's super cool. Um, so looking forward to chatting with him next week. Uh, same time, same place. And follow us on Twitter and Google+. We're at Angular Air. And uh, keep up with the latest things going on with Angular Air. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and get started. We'll, um, I, I think first we want to get a little intro. And Jeff had some special questions he wanted to ask each one of the guests uh, so we can get to know them. So um, I'm, I'm guessing these were Jeff questions. <laughs> yeah, they were. And I, I mean, I just think that the guests have such interesting histories even outside of Auth0, so I just wanted to uh, dive in a little bit. Uh, so actually starting off with Jeff Goodman, you know, uh, it, <clears throat> Jeff, you, you're obviously the creator of Plunker for those people that don't know. Uh, you want to give us a little bit of uh, brief your brief history and how you got started with Auth0? Um, I guess I got started with Auth0 by inviting uh, Gonto to coffee here in Montreal. He was here for a conference in Montreal, and I uh, was like, oh, Gonto, I've talked with him. He's pretty cool. Let me take him out for coffee. And then uh, uh, we were both speaking at NGConf, so are you. Uh, we all met there and got to know Martin a lot better and got to know the programming community. Um, at the time, I was still working in, uh, as, as a finance professional. Uh, I got to know the uh, programming community, fell in love, and decided to uh, to take the leap. And now I'm with Auth0. To, it's been about two months now, and it's been great. Now, you used to be, before uh, ng-comp, before Auth0, you were an accountant, right? Yep, that's right. Uh, accountant at Ernst & Young. Uh, did six years there. Um, so, so that's interesting. Uh, you know, Matthias, I'm curious, you know, what would prompt you to hire an accountant to write your secure backend code, uh, you know, for such an important product? It seems kind of crazy. Uh, I mean, obviously, I know Jeff, I, that was a great choice, but I'm curious what went into your thinking uh, when you kind of discussed that. Yeah, that, that's that's a, that's a great uh, a great question. Actually, you know, we are a startup and uh, we take risks, um, and and this was a risk, but a calculated one. Uh, and Jeff did a great job on the, on, on the interviews, and of course, you know, in this profession, uh, it, it, the best programmers are, are yet to be, you know, discovered, um, and Jeff is, is, is such case. I mean, he's, he's doing Kika's show uh, in these two months. It's, it's amazing that he, he was an accountant before, before doing programming for real. You know, it's, uh, it's crazy, really. I think the only problem that Jeff uh, has is that every example that he does, he publishes it on Plunker. I'm not sure why, but it's the only thing that he does. Can't use any other tool other than that. I mean, you send him a JS fiddle and he's like, no, no, please don't do that. That's when great. That 
So Matthias, you you were with Auth0 from the beginning then, or did you uh, join as an early employee? Yeah, no, I'm, I founded Auth0 uh, back in two, uh, 2013, and uh, I'm, the, I'm the CEO. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm there from. I, I can say that I I did it the, the first time in, in GitHub. <laughs> And then finally, uh, for Martin, uh, obviously we've seen each other a number of times. Basically, any conference that I've ever been to, you're always there. So, do, do you do anything outside of just going to conferences? <laughs> yeah, I prepare the talks for the conferences, and that, that's it. That's all I do. I I just go there because I like you so much. I actually want more T-shirts. I, I have only one, but I want <laughs> more T-shirts from you. So my objective is to meet you at different places and get more T-shirts from G Human from you. I was joking, I just went to a conference and I was like, I think I only need to pack the shirt that I'm wearing to the conference because I'll get the rest of my shirts at the conference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the question, do people still buy t-shirts? Because with Swag, I think I have t-shirts for my entire life. And once, one per day, I don't even have to use them again. <laughs> so I, um, I was reminded by somebody on Twitter, Jim Cummins, um, I needed to remind everybody, if you're watching live, that you can ask questions live uh, using the hashtag ngairquestion um, just uh, on, on Twitter, and then when my lights go off, excuse me, uh, <laughs> then when, when the, uh, at the end of the show, we'll uh, go through the ngairquestion um, hashtag on Twitter, and uh, you, can, you can grill our guests, um, which is always a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, and actually, just one other thing, um, probably should have addressed this before the show began. So, uh, Matthias and uh, Martin, if you could mute your mics when you're not talking, that way the camera focus will go to the right person when they're when they're talking. Um, you can kind of bounce off of each other. That would be great. Okay, so let's uh, now that we know our guests and we've humiliated them and whatever uh, <laughs> in front of everybody, um, let's go ahead and start talking about. Um, um, Auth0, and um, maybe you can describe the, the business uh, use case for Auth0, what, what problem Auth0 is trying to solve. Sure. Um, well, thanks, thanks, uh, thanks for, take, you know, for having us here. Um, so the, the, the main thing, and I'm trying to be precise here, we, we are doing is solving the authentication authorization single sign-on uh, problem for any type of application, uh, being mobile, browser, uh, native app, or CLI, uh, or, or any sort of, of thing that needs authentication. If you think about you know, a good analogy, would be the same way that we are outsourcing payments to Stripe, or SMS invoice to Twilio, or even, you know, why would you even write a database engine if you could use something like Mongo, you know, MongoDB, or you know, the whole, you know, Building blocks of, uh, of, of of software engineering are are being built on top of APIs. Auxilio um, is API for authentication, authorization, and sync design. Okay, that was a great answer, or <laughs> what I said. <laughs> no, that was a perfect answer. I think. Um, so there there are uh, uh, like. Maybe if I can just explain back to you what do you explain to me to make sure I understand. So you're basically, one of your, your services is uh, like outsourcing the user management and uh, authentication uh, stuff. So like you do authentication with third-party services as well as like my own user management stuff. So any user data, um, and do, you, do you like groups and, uh, and that kind of management as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's those those are one of the uh, of the use cases. So dealing with all the social authentication, you know, all the OAuth integration, we deal that we deal with we deal with all that, and, and we give you back a normalized profile across all the all the different services. We do username and password management, um, which means you you store a password with us. You know, we take care of all the security practices. So you have to do it. Uh, and now see, I mean, two different campuses. <laughs> so you don't have to do it yourself. You know, there were lots of breaches in the in the last couple of years, and um, most of them, you know, were because people weren't doing the right things in security perspective. Um, this is you now about outsourcing that piece so that 
people that are all the time doing this can, can do it better. Uh, and then also enterprise authentication. We deal with you know, LDAP, SAML, and all the things that uh, you don't want to deal with uh, when you start selling software to enterprise. Okay, so I've actually, um, for all of my toy apps that I, I use, like I actually, I don't have any real apps that um, have a use case, um, I think, for Auth0, but all the toy apps that I've built that have use case for authentication, I just use Firebase, uh, and it's like super crazy easy. So, um, and I think it's likely that lots of our uh, listeners have used Firebase for authentication in the past, so can you maybe talk about how you differ from Firebase? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, I think Firebase's main uh, value proposition is, is, is a database. It's a real-time database uh, kind of thing, right? Um, and, and they have the authentication story kind of as a, as, as, as a byproduct of that. But it's not their core you know, functionality. Uh, once you start going out of the typical use cases, uh, which, which happens a lot, especially on the, on the enterprise. Um, this is where you start looking for something that is more complete. Let's say you want to enable multi-factor authentication um, with your two-year application. Um, well, you, you want to well, you, you either implement that yourself or, or uh, in outside you, you just switch something and you, you get that. Um, and in the same way, you know, we will go through some of these things uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the next in the show when Jeff talks about webcasts. But we have a full, uh, you know, extensibility points for for all the authentication and authorization stuff, um, which means it's, it's it's not only about doing authentication, but then when you have these last mile integration things, uh, and you want to create a use create a Salesforce lead when user signs up. Uh, or you want to send a notification to Slack when a user signs up. And, well, you know, think about any other thing that you can uh, that you could do in the authentication transaction, and um, the sign-up transaction. Well, this is where we, we, we got to power. Uh, and then finally, the, there are things single sign-on, um, which is, uh, you know, we are proud to provide single sign-on, uh, which is, uh, for Firebase, I think it's, it's fine when you have a single app, but when you start having multiple apps in multiple platforms and languages, um, uh, and you want to have single sign between all of them, this is where it might fall short a little bit. That's not their core, right? Uh, and also, like, adding to all that and to what Matthias was saying, like, we have an extensibility support, basically, with JavaScript, which is basically web task underneath, but the idea is that every time that a user is trying to log in, you can then do whatever you want. As you were saying, like all Slack, or for example, if you want to only allow users from the US to log in, you can do that. And the thing is that it's JavaScript. If you have used Firebase and you have used their rules engine, it's, you know that it's not that easy, for example, to use, because they have their own syntax, and it's hard to understand. It's yet another language. But in here, it's just JavaScript. So if you know JavaScript, you can extend the authentication, basically, however, however you want in that case. Also, doesn't Auth0 have the front-end um, widgets in some cases if you wanted to use that? I mean, obviously, you don't have to, but especially for, like, mobile apps, I found that uh, very useful to use the Auth0 kind of front-end widgets that can you can build into Ionic and everything. Yeah, yeah that's true as well. See, Jeff is a believer. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of talked about one end of the spectrum with, like, Firebase. What about the opposite end of the spectrum? I'm kind of curious of a couple questions. Like, do you have any larger scale customers that are using this? What would you say to developers who kind of have, uh, you know, they feel more comfortable because it's this is the security of their application, building it themselves because they have a lot of special use cases. Like, how easy is it to integrate? Just a couple different questions there. Yeah. So I think it comes back to the to, to the point that we were making on. on uh, this is exactly one of our key differentiators: the, the ability to for people to extend beyond what Auxilio provides in the box um, allows you to go, you know, and, and, and solve these use cases that are on, on the edge. So, as for instance, these hooks are like, you know, every time a user logs in, 
you know, execute this piece of code. Uh, and this is server-side Node.js code, right? But which runs on our infrastructure. Uh, every time a user failure happens, then do this. You know, log the user after X amount of logins. Every time the password changed, do this. Um, so and so on and so forth. We, we give you the ability to uh, expand the, use, the default use case with, with, many, with many things using code, basically. Uh, and also, to that point, I, I mean, I know that there's a lot of people right now that do use, like, they run, they, they run their own solution because it costs money and things like that. So something that we've been working on, which is going to be released in about a month, but I'm actually announcing it now, is that we want to do something that is like no developers left behind, basically. So what we want is for people to start using Auxilio, and if they are not getting money that they shouldn't pay, so what we are actually launching soon is that if you are using uh, social providers like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, GitHub, etc., or username and password, if you want to use up to 7,000 users, it's going to be for free. We basically want to do the same as what Heroku is doing for authentication. So the idea is that if you have up to 7K users and you don't mind putting a batch somewhere that you're using Auxilio, then you can just use it for free. And then once you start making money, then it means that you can basically pay us because you're making money. That's basically the idea of what we're doing. So we've just finished this new pricing issue scheme like last week, but again, everything is implementing, so it will go live in like a month. But for anybody who is actually listening to the, the podcast now or who sees the video, if they want to actually use this, they can start using this right now. So just contact us, contact me on Twitter, and we can get you started with that as well. That's handy, and I just hope that my next big super awesome idea doesn't go viral on, like overnight, and I don't realize it, and it's like, oh my gosh, now I have 14,000 people who want to be customers. <laughs> but that's yeah. cool that you're doing that and making it more accessible. Yeah, that, that's, like, that's our plan. Like, we really like what Heroku has been doing in the past what, and what other people have been doing to make it more accessible because the thing is that it's like... Right now, we, 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 we charge for people, but it doesn't make sense to charge for people who can't actually pay it, and we want people to use it. Because if they start using it and then they see value, then that's it. Because what we've seen is that a lot of people don't use it because of the pricing, and once they start using it, they really like it. So what we want is to people, for people to start using it. And then if you don't like it, then you can go to any other of our competitors, like as you're saying, like Firebase, Stormpath, or any of those. My tip always is the same. Try all and choose which one you want. So what features do you offer besides just the basic authorization and authentication? I know from you know looking at your website that you offer some more, but do you want to talk about what else you guys offer? Yes, sure. Um, so basically, the default is like authentication authorization, and then we build some features basically on, on top of that. So some of those features are multi-factor authentication with Google Authenticator or Duo, for example. Then we also have user management, where you can see which users are trying to log in, from where, get their information, you can block them or not. Also, if you're debugging a problem, for example, you can impersonate like a user. So basically, you can say, log me into the application like if I were this user. And that way, it's easier to debug bugs on your application, because that logs you in as that person to the application, basically. Then we do handle all the, the username and password flow entirely, like forgot your password, verify email, um, welcome email, and, 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 and things like that. Um, well, then now we're adding webtask.io, uh, which Jeff will tell you about in a little bit. And I think that's mostly it. Yeah, yes. and, and most, you know, the, the main idea is that once you start integrating the stuff with Auxilio, all the users, um, you know, you can you start getting this list of users who are using your application, and we we enable Elasticsearch. We have a Elasticsearch cluster where we index all the information of the users, so you can do you know complex queries like you know tell me all the users who have logged in in the last three days and has this property in the metadata that is true, like you know VIP true, whatever. Um, that's a, that's another thing that we will be. Uh, also, adding more stuff to it. Let's say you want to do something like synchronize all the users um, to MailChimp. 
or to intercom or you know being being outside of the master of uh, the master records of, of your user base and then start you know doing integrations with other things that are based on, on music as well. Uh, and and the last thing that I wanted to mention, which is like why I joined Outsider when I like it, is that it's focused on developers. So Outsider is basically an API. It's an API that lets you do authentication. But calling an API sometimes can be like not that easy. So the idea is that we build SDKs for most of the common platforms, like AngularJS, for example, is one, EmberJS, um, iPhone, Android, Go, and all of those, so that you can actually add the authentication itself with like one or two lines of code. That's basically our idea. And also with that, as Jeff was saying before, what we provide is a native UI for every platform. So if you're using web, you'll get a native UI that lets you log in. If you're using iPhone, you'll get a native UI that lets you log in. And then if you use Facebook or Twitter in iPhone, it will use the native Facebook and Twitter authentication. So the idea is that developers write two lines of code, they use our SDKs, and that eventually calls our API. But our main focus is to be developer focused because, like everybody, company is an engineer or, or a developer. Even like marketing people are developers and engineers. Cool. So actually, that kind of segues into something that I'm curious about, um, and I, I like to ask um, at, at kind of a high level. Like, could you describe the the stack, the tech stack that um, Auth Zero is using? Um, like, what what technologies it's using, and then. Kind of at a high level, how does it work? What's the API like? Or like, if I were to implement it today? Yeah, so I can go through the, through the technology stuff. Uh, actually, we did a, a blog post, uh, I think, a couple of months ago on highscalability.com. We were featured there, and it, it goes into much detail on you know how how we are built. Uh, it's 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 still a moving thing because you always evolve the, the stuff, but. But it's, it's a good way. I, I can send the link afterwards. So, the, the, so we use Node.js as the main uh, technology, uh, programming language. Um, and uh, we use MongoDB as a, as a data store. Um, the, we use Nginx for fronting all the different Node.js processes. And we are hosting everything on AWS. So we have you know, per Ubuntu VMs on, on AWS where are each, each of them has, has engineers and multiple Node.js uh, processes and Nginx basically from, from them. Um, and then we have Elasticsearch, as I said, uh, in the back where we uh, you know, send all the user data to. Um, and, and then we also have a pretty you know, uh, sophisticated architecture in terms of failover. Um, we have we are host Hosted on AWS primary, but then we have a replica of the data center in Windows, in Microsoft Azure, the, the, the Microsoft Cloud, um, and also in, in Google Cloud Engine. So if something goes wrong in AWS, we, we, we use Amazon Route History to route the, the traffic to Azure if that happens, which happened in the, in the past. Um, and, 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 and then the other thing is, uh, I think it cover everything. Well, WebTask is, is the sandboxing uh, architecture you know, platform is a completely different um, deployment, and we use CoreOS and Docker in, in there. Um, there is another write-up in, I think, in AWS Medium uh, blog, which shows a lot, uh, you know, talks about how, how that is built. Cool. And so um, then for the API, um, so if I were to implement this today in a like Angular application, um, what uh, what's my API like? I, I, obviously, you mentioned you have a library or, or a module for it. Um, what does that look like? How do I interface with that? So basically, for for the API, we do have an Outsio Angular SDK. I actually built it, and the idea is that. You have like very few methods to use. Basically, you have a sign, a sign in, sign up, or forgot methods, which will show up for you the, the the UI, which we call lock actually, that lets you choose like how will the user log in, like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or username and password or enterprise. And then all all you have in return is a function, which is a callback. And in that callback, you will get 
a token and the user profile. That token that you receive is basically a JSON web token, which is very similar to a regular token. The main difference is that it's it's not a pack. It has value. So it seems like a token that is like spraggerish, but it's actually a basic before you are encoding of some content. And then every time you want to do an authenticated call to your API, you just send that JSON web token back to your API in the authorization header, and the server will be able to, to check it. Another nice thing that I like about Auxio is that we are using a standard. We're using OpenID Connect, which is based on JSON Web Token. And what that means is that whenever in your API you're checking that the user is authenticated, you check this authorization header JSON Web Token, you don't have to contact Auxio for that. Because all you use for that is either a shared secret or a private and public key, where the private key is used by Auxio that signs and creates the token, and then a public key is used in your API to verify it. So the thing is that you only use Auxido when you're logging in, and then that's it. You don't have like another latency call to Auxido, another latency call to a database. You just receive this JSON web token, and that basically works with you. And so for your Android app, it's as easy as calling this out.signin, saving, giving this token in local storage, and then we actually created. So we always want to make our core libraries really small and try to create generic open source libraries that other people can use. So this Angular is very small, and then what we created are two other uh, Angular SDKs, basically two other Angular libraries, which are Angular JWT and Angular Storage, which you can use without Auxilio if you want. And the main objective is Angular JWT lets you decode the JSON web token and use with the .htdp provider to automatically send the JSON web token for you if it's saved. And then Angular Storage lets you use cookies, local storage, or session storage, whichever is available, it will fall back to the other one. And it will also let you save objects into local storage, so that if you get the user profile, you can actually save it in there, which is not available by default because it only saves strings. I'm curious, do you have a sense of how many people use the Auth0 open source libraries that don't actually use the Auth0 back-end service, you know, just the JWT libraries and the Angular libraries that you guys have built? Yeah, there's actually, I don't have the stats right here, but if you go to, they're all published in the NPM. So, for example, if you go to the NPM, NPM JS for Express JWT or the Angular JWT, you will see that we have, like, a lot of downloads per day for each because there's a lot of people that are actually using these libraries without using Auxilio itself. And there's actually also... I've given a lot of talks about JSON Web Token, and there's a lot of people that started using JSON Web Tokens because of the open source repositories that we have, because of the um, the talks that I've given, and none of them actually use Auxilio. I mean, what we try to do is we think JSON Web Token and OpenID Connect is the best protocol to use. So we are trying people to get people to use it, even if they don't use Auxilio. That's that's okay. I would want them to use it. But even if they don't, if they're using JSON Web Token, at least they are using something that we think is better. And that's why we try also to create these open source repositories. Yeah, just really quick on that, because I, I've, uh, I forgot who it was, but there was a Twitter back and forth between me and you and one other person a, a little while ago about, you know, is JSON Web Token really better? Uh, like, uh, I think, um, and I forget who it was, but it, the person argued that, it's, you know, it, it's just a random array of, of numbers, right? How is it better than anything else? So can you kind of, like, kind of quickly talk about, just from a security perspective, why JSON Web Token is actually better than uh, cookies or other alternatives? Yeah, I can cover that. Um, so, you know, the, the, the question about what, which one is better, it's, it's a little bit tricky. You know, solutions have... Uh, the solution usually goes with the context that they are good at. So, um, in particular, what we've seen in the past um, is, is uh, and this is, you know, the, in the talk work that we give explaining what JSON Web Tokens are, this is the, the, the initial part of the talk, um, which we explain how architecture, application architecture have changed in the past. Like, we do, uh, our applications are not anymore just websites, and that's it, right? And it's not like the regular, uh, page that keeps every time you click on something, refreshes and, and, and whatnot. So applications today are mobile, you know, are made of mobile applications, web mobile, 
you know, Ionic, like you, you, you were saying before. Um, we call APIs that are behind another APIs, and, and you know, the whole the whole uh, identity and security uh, scheme is you know, cookies that don't count anymore, right? Because you cannot flow a cookie through all these systems. You know, the, the, if you call an API, first of all, you don't call APIs with cookies, right? Um, you, you might only do it if you have a single angular application and then you configure passport in a way that, you know, it starts getting complex. Um, as, 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 uh, as, uh, as comparison, JSON web tokens are, you're moving away or decoupling the identity and authentication architecture from, uh, you know, from, from whoever creates that thing. Like, instead of relying on the PHP session ID cookie or the Express uh, Connect, you know, SID cookie, now you're relying on a standard and a something that is created uh, completely coupled of, of the process of authentication in a web application. So now you can use that from a different from different type of applications. You can carry on some state in that token, uh, whereas in cookies you're, you usually rely on a session that lives on the server side. Uh, and then finally, that token can be used to transport that same data across different layers, physical layers of your architecture. Make sense? Yeah, definitely. Cool. So um, I am wondering from uh, from Jeff, what what's the like? Auth Zero has this really cool product that I tried for about twenty minutes um, called WebTask IO. Um, so what is WebTask IO, and, and what does it have to do with Auth Zero? Um, WebTask IO is actually, I guess, a bit of a spin-off of something that we needed to do anyway. So Matthias spoke a lot about um, running custom JavaScript code in the authentication pipeline. So you know, you log in, uh, or you want you want to run some custom code when your users complete a login transaction. How do you run untrusted code in this day and age? You know, you don't want to expose your your secure uh, Auth0 level uh, servers to. To, to any anybody's malicious code out there, uh, we needed a system to run uh, these transactions in a secure way. Uh, so actually, uh, one of uh, one of our engineers, Thomas Thomas Jans Jan, Jansuk, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, uh, built this pretty crazy system um, based on CoreOS running in a cluster. Uh, with a whole bunch of pre-provisioned uh, Docker, Docker containers that are sitting around waiting for untrusted code to be run. So how does this fit into Auth0? It runs, it runs our rules, but we thought it was pretty cool and cool enough that it might be a product of its own. Um, so let's take a step back and, and, and you know, the use case inside Auth0 is pretty interesting. It's running rules. It's running untrusted code. But if you take a step back and look at untrusted code in the wider web world, what's really interesting is uh, we've got this platform that allows you to pair up secrets and code. You know, ask yourself, why, you know, why don't I connect to MongoDB directly for my Angular single page application? Well, the answer is pretty clear is if you put your MongoDB password secret in your in your JavaScript code, well, it's not much of a secret anymore, is it? So how do you create this sort of trust boundary between the server and the client without needing a server? Um, what you can do is have, have a platform like WebTask.io, uh, which will encrypt your secrets as a part of issuing a, a, a signed token. So basically, um, uh, Matthias was talking about JWTs. What's a JWT? Well, it's it's JSON that's been signed, that's been cryptographically signed. So if you know the secret, you can prove that the the content of that token has not been tampered with. Um, so in the context of web tasks, you can encode. Uh, let's say let's say you want to to run some untrusted code at a URL. You can uh, you can encode 
the URL of your code. You can encode also a, an opaque encrypted blob of all your secrets, so your MongoDB password, your MongoDB username, your MongoDB URL, all that stuff. You can stick it into this JSON web token that webtask.io knows how to unpack and to expose in a secure manner to, your untrust, to this untrusted code that it will run for you. So you can do some pretty neat stuff. And uh, we're going to show a demo today uh, about some of the stuff that you can do. Um, but given that most of, uh, most of the audience is, is probably audio only, maybe we'll describe it instead, what you can really easily do with webtask.io, and we've made this really simple um, by creating a command line interface. So it's wt hyphen CLI, it's on NPM. What you can do really easily is create a profile on webtask.io just by wt init, and then create a create your first web task. What's a web task? Well it's a function. It's it's a it's a JavaScript file that exports a function um, according to a couple different signatures. It could be a function that takes in a context object and a callback. And as long as you call that callback, uh, you've basically handled a request, but a request that's been handled in the equivalent of the server side. So uh, a very simple web task might just like respond with hello world. Okay, So you'd have a, a function that only accepts a callback. You call that callback uh, with hello world, and it, webtask.io, when you create your web task, it will give you a URL at which you can run this code. Uh, it's a bit tough to explain without the visual, but um, so you create a web task, you give it a URL. Uh, so you give it some code, it'll give you a URL. You open that URL in your browser, you'll get Hello World back. You can take this a level further. Let's say you want to, um, let's say you want to send an email whenever someone visits that that, that website, that web task, you can um, encode some secrets when you create your web task. Uh, so you can encode some secrets when you create your web task, um, and those will be available in that context object that can be passed into your web task code. So you could pass in, let's say, some SendGrid uh, username, SendGrid secret, and you can send off an email. Now that's pretty cool. You've got access to your secrets um, running arbitrary code in the cloud. You don't need a server for any of this. Wouldn't it be cool if we could take that one one step further and authenticate, know who is who is viewing, who is running this code? Well, since we're Auth0 uh, and we do authentication, that's pretty much our thing, uh, we came up with an approach that uh, allows web tasks now to be authenticated. So when you go to this URL, if you're viewing it in a browser, it'll pop up a lock, which is you know the auth the auth zero uh, login box that that you may or may not be familiar with. It's it's one of our open source libraries. Uh, you can authenticate to that, and then uh, upon completion of the authentication, then you will be redirected to the to the web task itself, and the web task code will have access to the to your user information. Um, where this could also be used, web tasks can also be used as kind of mock or replacements for backend APIs. In that context, um, you would need to pass in either an authorization header or a key uh, query parameter with um, a JSON web token signed by, uh, by Auth0. And then your code running this web task would be would have access to the current user. So anyway, it's a pretty cool system to basically make a server without having to run a server. Uh, it you know just works. You you do wt create, give your file name, and you've got a URL that'll run your code in the cloud on demand, um, acting as a server, no cross origin problems. It's all you know. It's just it's not there. I love this. This is awesome. So um, you said that you created WebTask uh, to solve a use case for Auth0 to run arbitrary code. So that I'm just making sure that I'm making the right assumption here. So 
what that means is um, as part of Auth0, um, just I'm, I'm guessing yeah. I can UI, I can um, I have a place that I can say, hey, whenever a user logs in, run this arbitrary code. And I can just enter it in there, and then you use web, web task to run that code. Is that kind of how it works? Absolutely. Okay. And so then on the, on the Auth0 dashboard, you can debug it. You can run mock runs of your rules with mock users, see all your all your logs uh, as if that thing were really running. Um, cool. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty convincing experience. I'm not running for extending users' login. The other place where we actually use WebTask, which is what a lot of people are using us now for, is for migrations. So we have a lot of people that have already like thousands or millions of users, and they want to start using Zero. And if that's the case, basically they get a JavaScript function where they receive an email that is trying to log in, password, and a callback. And in there, they can write JavaScript. We have templates, so if they have a SQL database, MySQL, Postgres, Oracle, or whatever, then they can just basically write the code that connects to the database, write the select, the SQL select, and get the data, and then just use that. And then we actually have a feature that says, like, import users. So every time that a user is trying to log in that is not in Outzero, if he logs in successfully, we will import it to Outzero. And what that means is that eventually you can get, if you want, all of your users from your database to Outzero without actually having to do a password reset or something like that. That's another use case that we do for WebTask. And even if like, we are showing WebTask to the world because basically we are the first customers of that. Cool. I'm. Uh, I used it. Like I said, I used it for like 20 minutes just to create something simple, and it was actually super cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to being able to build a full-on app, even with server code, without actually having to host my own server. Um, actually, maybe I'm just going to throw this out there. So I I've got this uh, this little mini app that I have that integrates with Firebase and uh, Twi uh, or Twilio to send, um, um, so Firebase hosts a bunch of uh, uh, text messages that I've, I've pre-written uh, for my wife, and at 3 o'clock every day, it sends this text message to my wife. It's like, I hope you're having a good day, honey, I love you, whatever. Um, and so, um, and, and like, these are like honest text messages. I've really written these. These aren't like computer That's games. so bad otherwise. <laughs> 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 um, like, you know, you know th this is actually the ideal use case for Auth0. They have this, if you look on the website, <laughs> you, you're almost uh, repeating it verbatim. <laughs> I'm just kind of, I think this might be valuable. Hopefully it's valuable for our listeners. But anyway, so what I'm wondering is, um, so could I use, right now I have this running on OpenShift, and I just, you know, make sure that it's, it's always running. And, and uh so could I use WebTask to uh, do like a cron job to say, hey, go to Firebase and get the latest text message and send it off um, using WebTask every day at 3 o'clock? Fancy you ask. We just built that, actually. <laughs> what? This is like a Christmas present. It took me like two days. <laughs> yeah, so that's not something that we've um, had the chance to thoroughly document or explain how it works or why it works. Um, but uh, that's actually been, I guess, my project since I joined Auth0 is to, to build this system that would allow us to run uh, web tasks on a schedule. Um, and so we've got that support in the command line. It's deployed to the, the public webtask.io um, web task cluster. Um, it's going to be something that we're going to be able to offer to our uh, our authentication customers pretty soon. But yeah, right now. So I made. A, I'll give you a little uh, example of a demo I made um, at uh, at our company's recent retreat. Um, what I did is I built a web task that would actually talk to Firebase. So every every minute, it would go and ask Firebase for uh, every key at a given path. Okay, and every key there was a URL. Those URLs happened to be the different Plunker backend services. And it would, it would take those URLs, fire off an HTTP request against them and you know, to see if they were alive, and then save 
the latency values into a, um, a fixed length Firebase queue. Get another another key, and uh, so this <laughs> this was hosted on, as a plunk, of course. Um, another part of the plunk was a was a an Angular front end that would go and read this Firebase URL and basically watch for new entries into the the, the, the latency fixed length queue, and it would graph them in real time. So you have the cron job running off on the web task cluster at an interval of one minute, pinging all of my services. And then you have this front-end UI that shows a nice um, you know, line chart of, of latency over time of a whole bunch of different servers, uh, all without actually having to run a server myself. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. <laughs> That's awesome. Very, very cool. Um, I, okay, I need to be clear. These messages that I send to my wife are totally legit, and 3 o'clock is just the hardest time of day with our kids and stuff, and so that's why I automated sending it. Hey, hey Ken, <laughs> when, when can I sign up for your uh, this product that you've created so I can use it as well? Uh, it's actually... Um, is it open source? I'll have to open source it. But it actually, it's very extensible, um, so you could totally do this yourself. But I think I'll make a web task for it instead, um, and then I'll open source that. We, we do have <laughs> to our show. <laughs> we do have an example of using actually Twilio with web tasks that I just put in here, so we can maybe you can use that to send your wife the messages. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I'll, I'll put that uh, link in the show notes, or, or you can add that to our Hangout comments. That'd be helpful. Um, so I think we've got time for one more question from Patrick.js, and then uh, we'll go into our um, Q&A and our picks and tips. Yeah, so you basically created cat packs, but for relationships. Uh, basically, it's, it's pretty... WhatsApp is actually really awesome because it's, it's serverless design. Essentially, you could, you know... Um, you can have a document with a list, and then you can just say, run this thing. Um, anyways, um, Auth0 is, like, amazing because you guys do a lot of integrations with just everything in the world. Like, when this thing comes out, you automatically have an integration. That's, like, the, the coolest thing. Um, and Calcore, for example, just released the other day. Um, do you see yourself, like, making integrations? Because um, one of the, the cool things about Calcore is that um, it kind of replaces your API REST endpoint and, and manages it in a, a better way. But there's this other functionality um, called call where you're able to do some uh, RPC calls on the server. But do you think you could hook Auth0 into that and web task and then say, um, call this thing, which, does, uh, which looks at this list of the latest uh, text messages to send to... Uh, Ken's wife, and then actually sends it sends her text at three o'clock. Um, you think that would be really cool to do, or how how soon do you think you could roll that out? I, I like the how soon. You already asked for the ADA. Not even asking if you for now doing it. But yeah, yeah. So I actually saw about Falcor. I actually I have to talk to Shafar. I'll probably talk to you as well about how to implement it. But the idea is that. Um, first, we want to actually write a blog post about like using Jafar, using Jafar, using Falcor in in like real life, and then we want to integrate that um, without zero. So basically, the idea is to start working on that next week. That's the, the the main idea right now. But yeah, we definitely want to do that for the RPC calls because for the other one, for Node.js, it's just an Express middleware. So even if you're using Auxilio, you can use like Express JWT. And it's another middleware for JSON Web Token, and that just works for calling the API authenticated. You can just use it as is. The main difference where we can actually add something else, I think, are for the RPC calls that you're mentioning. But I have to get deeper into that. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen much about Falcor, so maybe I'll probably ping you uh, next week. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Essentially, you could create a whole legitimate application. Like if you had like tighter integration with the Falcor router, you can have a, an amazing integration of just completely serverless design uh, API and completely just like all these microservices. Uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. That, that's cool. I, I see that Jafar has made you a fan of uh, Falcor already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah Falcor is pretty cool. Yeah. 
that's cool. Yeah, we would definitely want to like implement it. And I, I actually got the email today that it's trending on GitHub. It already has like two K stars or something like that. It's like it's getting huge. Also because it's from Netflix, of course. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, looking forward to that. So let's go ahead and, and uh, do our questions. We just have a. Um, I think one or two, one question uh, from Jim Cummins. And his question is, uh, can you talk about allowing linking multiple user accounts? Is it uh, loosely coupled like when you have multiple Gmail accounts? Yes, so we actually have an API for account linking. So the idea is that you can basically link to accounts whenever you want. And not only like to Gmail accounts, like you can link whatever. So if you want to link Facebook and Twitter and Google, you can, and the idea is that then every time that the user tries to log in with any of the three, let's imagine that he logs in with Twitter, you get when you get back the profile from Outzero, you get back the profile from Twitter, Facebook, and Google together with the three access tokens to the three services. So then you can like post in the wall or do anything like that. But yeah, we do have the basically the link account. And another thing related to that is that we actually saw like a lot of people that. We, are, we, we have a few passwordless features right now, for example, logging in with SMS or with Touch ID. And then, for example, some people log in first with Active Directory with their Windows users. Then they link that to Touch ID. And from that moment on, they just use like their fingers to log in, for example. Perfect. Uh, I think that's exactly what um, Jim was wondering. So that's our Twitter questions. I will keep this open. And if anybody has more questions, then um, we will answer them. But uh, let's just go ahead and get into our tips and picks. So um, we'll start off with uh, Patrick JS. What do you, or yeah, Patrick, what do you have for us? Yeah, so my first pick is called the, the JAWS stack. That's JavaScript plus AWS. It's completely serverless design, um, similar to what I was talking about. Um, it's just complete. You just have a front end, and then it just runs all these like crazy like lambda things on the back end. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, and my other my other pick is IXT checklist. It's basically it's a checklist um, for when you want to learn like ninety percent of UI stuff, but you're not a UI person. Um, and my tip is to actually use the checklist. Cool. Great. Um, Jeff, why don't we go with you next? Sure. I just have one pick for this week. I created a. Yeah, kind of staticky. Um, I'm not sure what's up. Is it still staticky right now? Yeah, just a titch. I'll give you a second. I, Amy, yeah, come back to me. Amy, what do you have for us? Okay, so uh, I was talking about this before the show, and you might have seen it tweeted. There is a remote Angular conference called uh, Angular Remote Conf. And there's a coupon code. If you use Angular Air, you'll get 20% off. So that is my pick for this week. And you can listen to the host of this podcast talking. That's right. I'll be uh, talking about um, open sourcing your stuff, because open source is awesome. And Auth0 is leading the way on that, right? You guys got a bunch of open source stuff, so that's cool. Um, all right. Uh, Jeff, do you have? Uh, Good audio for us. Yeah, hopefully this is better. Much better. Okay, so just one pick really quick. I just created a survey for people that have been hacking on Angular 2. So if, been, if you have been using Angular 2 at all so far, uh, please click on the link that I'll include in um, under the show. And I'd really like to get your feedback on kind of your preferences in using Angular 2. And I'm going to write a big blog post uh, based off of what everybody has entered. I already have... 25 entries, and uh, I'm sure I'll get a lot more uh, over the course of the next couple days. So uh, I would love to hear from you guys. Thanks. Cool. Thank you. Um, I'll go ahead and go next, and we'll leave our guests uh, to be last. Um, and so I have, for the fifth time, started uh, using Vim, and uh, I've lasted more than a couple hours. So, so far, so good. Um, I, I really like Vim because it... Um, is not a CPU hog, and um, I like even after just a few days, I feel like I have the potential to navigate around a file much much faster. Um, but at the same time, when you're starting Vim, you feel like you're assembling an editor rather than just like having all these nice things together. So it can be frustrating. But anyway, Vim is cool. Um, and then my next pick 
is uh, a workshop that I gave um, at uh, Midwest JS just this last week. Um, it's an ES6 workshop. There are two parts. Uh, the first part is just the features of ES6. Um, and then the second part is migrating an app from like just nothing uh, to using ES6, using um, Webpack. And so we migrate the to-do MVC for vanilla JavaScript to um, ES6. So uh, check that out. And then my last pick is another self-pick. Um, I'm selfless, or selfish, I guess. Um, but uh, I'm an Egghead.io author, and my first um, Egghead series was AngularJS Authentication with Jot, or JWT. Um, and so uh, I recommend you check that out if you're interested in doing authentication. Um, it gets you all set up and running. And some of that might not be super relevant. Uh, like the, there's some like back-end related things. And if you just use Auth0, then you don't have to worry about all that stuff. But the front-end stuff is still very relevant. Um, so I recommend you check that out. Um, that's me. So why don't we go with uh, Matthias? Yeah, so the first one uh, is jwt.io. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a one-stop for everything uh, related to JSON web tokens. Um, you, know, you can see there uh, all the libraries that, uh, that people implemented uh, where uh, you can use that implements the JSON web token standard. Um, and, uh, and there is also a debugger there, which is very useful for learning, uh, learning stuff. Yeah, how it works basically. The second one is uh, the old project.io. This is a, a project that um, it has a couple of months, um, but it's basically it's a it's a it's a vault for all your secrets. Um, think about this is this is for advanced use cases, but if you if you have a lot of API keys, um, all your passwords and connection strings, you want a place to store them uh, securely so that if someone, you know, if, if your VM is compromised, uh, you don't you don't have those secrets stored in your you know VM in a JSON file, but in a place where it actually gets encrypted and, and it's an extra layer of security. That actually sounds super cool. I'm gonna have to look at that. Um, I always just use environment variables, but uh, yeah, fun stuff. Um, okay, Martin, what do you what do you have for us? So what I put is, uh, uh, as a pick, I put Falcor. We already discussed it, but since it's released, it has been released this week, I mean, I would encourage everyone to try Falcor. I extremely admire Jafar. I think he's one of the most intelligent programmers I know. So if he's in charge of this, this is probably awesome. Then another one that I actually learned about today, it's, it's Gotti, G-O-T-T-Y. And that's basically a really nice tool that lets you share your terminal as a web app. So you basically start it in your terminal, and then you give somebody a URL, and they will be able to see live your terminal without actually having to do um, remotes. Those are my two picks. And then the only tip, which is something that I actually learned after doing the Outsido Angular SDK, is that in the Angular, in the Outsido Angular SDK, when somebody tries to go to a route that he doesn't have access, we redirect him to the login. And in there, what I learned is that the dollar location change start event is always triggered before the dollar router change start or the dollar state change start. And that's something to take into account if you want to set some variable or do something even before that the route starts to change in Angular 1. Nice. I love those things you learn the hard way. Um, <laughs> All right, and Jeff Goodman, what do you have for us? Uh, so I wanted to share, I'm a huge fan of Cloud9 IDE, uh, the online version. But uh, what's not so obvious is they also have a uh, basically an open source version that you can install on your own computer. It runs inside uh, whatever that thing's called. It, you know, that, that tool that will allow you to run Node as an application, as a native application. So if you go to the, uh, on GitHub, you go to C9 slash core, it uh, gives you some instructions on how to run that locally. And what I love about it is uh, just all the keyboard shortcuts work for me, multiple selection, great syntax checking, live debugging of node, of running node code, uh, stuff like that. So there's that. And then also another pick is something that we built at Auth0 and that we use a lot internally is Sherlock, sherlock.io. It's a tool that will 
that allows you to share secrets with limited groups of people. Uh, so it could be like a specific list of emails. It could be a specific uh, email wildcard, email suffix, different things like that. Um, so it's like encrypted data sharing statelessly. Uh, and my tip is either go sync or go async, but make sure you go all in. Don't release algo. Cool. Thank you. Um, OK, let me just uh, double check our uh, questions that we don't have any more. Um, and yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, close this up. So again, uh, general announcements. So tune in for our next show next week, same time, same place, with, um, with Matt uh, Padosaki. Yeah, I think that's right, actually. Um, and we're going to be talking about uh, reactive programming. He wrote RxJS, so we're super stoked to have him. Uh, and then follow us on Twitter and Google Plus at Angular Air uh, to get the latest and greatest on what's going on with Angular Air. Um, and yeah, with that, I'll just say thank you to our guests for coming on the show. I think it authentication with uh, web apps. So thank you. Thank we'll you. See you later. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.